Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you go to 1 Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 3. My name's Jose. We're in a long series called Learning to Lead, and hopefully we're growing in what it means to follow Jesus together and, and find our place. Before we start, and we're going to look at uh, 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 8, I do want to, uh, us to pray. We're part of a church network. You may not know that. And we're connected with churches here in the Portland area, all along the West Coast. And we do have a few churches we're connected with in other countries, Uganda, and in particular, Belfast, Ireland, and um, Glasgow, Scotland. I was on the uh, text this morning with the church in Belfast. I was there just a couple of weeks ago. Josh is their pastor. And they've been looking for a new home. They've been meeting in a space for two years. They're a new church. And they have not been able to find another place where their meeting is no longer available as of January 1. We've been praying with them. We've financially supported some money so they have it ready to acquire a new space, you know, remodel it or whatever. And they still have not found it. And so I just text them, hey, any update? No. So they announced to their church today it's their last regular Sunday gathering. And then next Sunday they're doing, you know, Christmas Eve on the Sunday. Not to confuse you. We're not doing that. Ba-ba-ba-ba. But I was like, oh, wow, nothing. He's like, we're praying for our Christmas miracle. So I just thought as a church, we should join them. These aren't just strangers. They're brothers and sisters. So uh, the church is called Rehope. And I'll lead out, but why don't, we, why don't we just pray together and just write down their name, Rehope Belfast. You can look online and see the church and meet the people online. But we want to pray that God will give them their Christmas miracle even this week, all right? Lord, Thank you that your church is growing and moving and, and uh, expanding all around the world. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Belfast. We thank you for Josh and Ruth and inspire them with faith in you to, to move to Belfast and to plant this church. And God, now we pray uh, you came to this earth to set us free and to invite us into a family. And your family has a place and we meet and we're together. And Lord, you know uh, their timeline. You know the details of their story and you're concerned. And we're, not, we're just trusting you, Lord Jesus, this morning that you'll provide, even this week, some light. Lord, if there is a space that's just not aware of their need, that that connection, God, would be made even, even today, even on Monday, we pray. Lord, we want to see your family thrive there. And thank you that you've connected us with your people in this way. In Jesus' name and 26 West said, Amen. All right, so I'll update you in case we find out any news this week. So we're on this countdown to Christmas, right? And you know where to be and when. And now before we get there, we want to continue our conversation on what it means to be a church that leads uh, together. We're looking at 1 Timothy 2 and 3. And if you've been with us, we know that in 1 Timothy 2 and 3, we figure out how we lead in team. And so it's been good. We looked at the roles of men and women. We looked last week at the role of elders in a church. And this week, uh, we're going to look at the role of deacons. But as we do it, remember, the Bible isn't super clear on what these leaders do. It doesn't say, here's their job description. Rather, it describes what leaders are like. And the reason we're looking at this in, in detail and going slow is because we want to be the people that are so filled with Jesus, his presence, his life-changing power, that people want to follow. This is not a power trip. But that people want to follow. So like Paul could say, follow me, he says to the churches, as I follow Jesus, the Messiah. What boldness, right? Follow, not just follow Jesus. You follow me. Why? I've been following Jesus 
And to follow me is going to lead you in the path of following him. At work, can people say that about you? In your neighborhood, can they say that about you? Like, there's something about this person. Well, if not, this isn't a guilt trip. It's an opportunity to step in. So as we look at the, the role of deacons today, which may sound dry. What's an elder? What's a deacon? Why does it sound so weird, right? It's not dry. It's life-giving because it's about character. Remember, everyone's gifted. Everyone has the Holy Spirit. And because everyone has the Holy Spirit, everyone has a place. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a fit. And let's just look at the, the fit of the deacon. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. It says, in the same way, and that I put in parentheses as elders because that's what he's been talking about, deacons are to be worthy of respect, Sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious, talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so let's look at this role and let's just tease out how we live it out. Uh, who are deacons? Like you probably heard the word, what is a deacon? It was a common word in their day and it simply means servant. So those who have served well should serve as servants, is what he says. So if you're looking at the language, because we're reading in English, there are different words, but he's basically saying servants should be seen as leaders of those who serve. So in their culture, in, in our lingo, we call this an, an, an assistant, an executive assistant, an administrative assistant. Everyone just keeps adding words, right? Someone who helps the team go forward. You could say a manager, someone who's been given responsibility of a group or a project. And so that is so important. Not everyone, hear me, not everyone should cast the vision. Not everyone should start the church. Not everyone should initiate. Because in any organization, you those who, who have the, the go-to to say, this is where we're going, but they will not get there without the team, right? So in the church, you need to find your place. And do you see yourself as someone who's able to take the vision and move God's people forward into it? Well, that's what a deacon does. Well, who, who should be appointed? If you look at this list and you look from last week, if you missed last week's uh, message, just listen to the podcast about elders, the list is almost the same. Remember, Paul's interested in people in the church who have character that's like Jesus. Why? I'll say it again. Because he's seen in the church false teachers who are leading people to follow themselves. Their life is off track. They're not following the way of Jesus with sincerity and with integrity. And they're taking people on a path that's unhealthy. So he's like, look, don't follow them. And Timothy as a leader, stop them. But instead, raise up men and women who have great character. Let's just look briefly at the office of a deacon. I said last week that in God's church, he's put two 
teams, two offices like, is like a technical term. Two things that are going to go, people are going to come and go, but these are going to remain in the church. The elders and the deacons are going to be there to lead God's people. What kind of character qualifications are they? It's the same as elders. Look at verses 8 again to 11. In the same way as the elder, deacons are to be, and then a few things, worthy of respect. What does that mean? Dignified, serious. They're not flaky. They're serious. They're they're worth following. Uh, they're sincere. Another translation puts it, not double-tongued, not two-faced. Now hear me. They're not perfect, but their character is not someone where you hear something on Sunday and on Monday it's exactly the opposite. I got my Christian face and I got my business face. They're not two-faced people. They're not indulging in much wine. They're not drunkards. They're not pursuing dishonest gain. Another translation puts it, they're not greedy. You know, you could even do honest things with a greedy heart. And that's a character issue. Uh, We don't need more. We need to look at what God has given and see all of it is blessed and say, God, what do you want to do with what you've given me? That's a heart issue. It's not about your salary package. It's about the heart. So they're not greedy. Similar to the elders, they're not drawn to excess, right? So they keep whole, verse 9, to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Deacons have the role of assisting or managing, but it doesn't mean they're just like the worker bees, you know, the executives and then the people. That's not what this is about at all. These are people who take the faith seriously. So when you're looking for great leaders, whether it's in your company or in your neighborhood to lead some initiative or whether it's here in the church, what we're looking for are people who are qualified in their life. They have a skill set and they're active in using it and character to match. You can, you can train people in skills. It's harder to train character, isn't it? I'm going to think that that person is amazing, top grades, whatever. Yeah, they cheat some of the time, but they're amazing. Well, that character flaw will nullify all their great learning, won't it, in the real world? And so he says, in the church, we're looking for men and women who are serving and serious about their faith in Jesus. Again, not perfect, but they're growing. So verse 10, they must first be tested. If there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. What is that all about? These leaders aren't new to the faith. They're not new to the church. They're not new to the way of Jesus. People have seen them and say, wow. And so what you do is, Timothy, you appoint them into spots because they're already doing it. And by the way, that's how we approach it here. Anyone who's given a leadership opportunity. They've already been doing it. We're not speculating. Man, I hope they work out. You find the people doing the work and you say, wow, everyone else, you should know this is a person to be honored and respected. And when they call you, when they email you, you ought to respond, which is a word to my American friends. When someone in the church reaches out to you, hear me with love, respond. Call them back. Email them back. And the same thing should be said for leaders in the church. You email me, you're going to get an email back. You call me, you're going to get a call back. It may not be in 30 seconds, but it's going to happen. Why? We value one another, right? We model the way of Jesus. Can you imagine? You know, Jesus, hey, can you, can you, can you spend some time? Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. I got things to do. 
That's not the heart of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is walking. Most of his miracles happen when he's on the way. He stops, and he finds people, and he loves them. So we're not perfect, right? But we're managing our lives well. And now the next line is where it gets interesting. Verse 11, in the same way, which is the same word as likewise, which we just saw in verse 8. Verse 8, in the same way, deacons. And now verse 11, in the same, likewise, the women are to be worthy of respect. Now, what does that mean? Here's where we get, sometimes in the Bible, there are words and phrases, because language is, is tricky at times, where you can interpret the same phrase multiple ways. So what we're going to look at is verse 11 carefully. The women are to be worthy of respect. NIV and the New American Standard Version translate it, the women, like you like I read earlier. But the English Standard Version and New Living Translation translate it, their wives. Likewise, or in the same way, are to be dignified and worthy of respect. What's going on? These are all great English translations, but certain words, it's very, it's rare. But sometimes you can translate the same phrase two different ways. So is Paul talking about, when we look at the role of deacons, is he talking about the wives of deacons, right? Which is one translation. Or the women deacons, which is another one. And, and, and great thinkers, Jesus lovers, have seen it two different ways. Do not get confused. The Bible's not contradicting itself. We're just trying to understand language. So you have to make a choice of which way it's going. And good, godly people have made two different choices. I happen to, and we as a church, take the, the translation the same way women, not referring to the wives of deacons, but rather to women deacons. And there's some real clear reasons why we think this. Well, if you look back in verse 8, here's why. When he's talking about deacons, he says, in the same way, deacons, in the same way as elders, verses 3 and following. And then in verse 11, and in the same way, referring to another group of deacons, the ladies. And why would he pull them out? Remember, in first century life, first century culture, women leading was not the predominant thought. And so most leaders were men. And men were definitely teachers in the church because culturally a, a guy wouldn't submit to a woman teaching them. Now that may sound foreign to you, but that was 2,000 years ago. But that's the reality. So I think, could be wrong, but I think he's referring to women deacons and he points it out because this may be a new thought to some of them. In the same way, these qualified godly women they're to be worthy of your respect, right? Likewise, as well. You say, well, that's, well, how did you get to that? Look at Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul, the same author, in another letter to the Roman church, says, I command you, our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in a name I can't pronounce. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way. <laughs> Can you pronounce that? If you look, listen to the Bible audio app, I whatever it is. I ask to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Intriguing. In Romans 16, we looked at it some months ago, when Paul lists out all these people, an entire chapter dedicated to people that ought to be welcomed, hellowed, high-fived, loved, respected. The first person on his list is Phoebe, who is a woman and a benefactor, a wealthy woman who's helped fund his journey. 
And so in the church, you see men and, and women leading. And he starts with Phoebe in Romans 16. So I have to think, and again, there's two ways to interpret it. Some would say, no, this is the wives of deacons, to which I would ask the question, now again, this may be getting in the weeds, but it's worth it. It's the Bible. We take it seriously, right? If he's saying in the same way women's deacons, why doesn't he have anything to say about the wives of elders? He didn't say anything about the wives of elders earlier on. So why would he go on a tangent about the wives of deacons? To me, it doesn't make sense. Not everyone agrees with this reading of it. Two Bible translations have wives. Two Bible tra translations have women. What do we do? We don't make this the hill to die on, but rather we look at the Bible seriously, we make a decision, and when someone disagrees, we love them and say, it's okay to disagree on that. Now, as a church, what do we see deacons doing? We'll look at how we apply it as a church, but what do deacons do? There's not a lot of material in the Bible about like job descriptions and to-do lists, but you get a glimpse of the life of this kind of leader in Acts chapter six. I don't think in Acts six, these are the actual long-term deacons. This is super early, a few months and years into the Jesus uh, resurrection and the church story. But in Acts six, you get a glimpse. It says in verse one, in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of foods. You have a church with certain kinds of believers from different walks of life, and some aren't getting food, the hungry, the needy. So the 12, that's the apostles, they gathered disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables, which is not downing this work. It's just saying there's so much. The church is exploding. There's way too much to do. As, as God's apostles, as Jesus' apostles, we need to plant new churches. We need to share the gospel. We need to raise up leaders. We can't do it all. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We're going to turn this responsibility over to them, and we're going to give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So you're noticing two different leadership teams, the apostle team and now this early deacon team. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. doesn't say anything about like his work background. He's a godly man, and so he's someone to be followed. Philip, Procurus, um, Nicanor, Timon, Parninus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Ju Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So what marks them out? It's their character, full of spirit, full of wisdom, godly. And that's what we're looking for at every level. And what's their role? Here, it's to make sure that people are cared for. So there's not a lot of material, but what we see is this thread, this thought, these deacons are servants, leaders, managers, assistants who work with the other teams in the church. Here it's the apostles. Later it's the elders. And we're working together to make sure what? Everyone's cared for. Again, this gets back to what leadership is about. Leadership isn't about positions. It's about people. We're in the people work. Churches, people work. Jesus following is always about people growing and being loved and cared for. 
And with that, we need lots of people doing lots of things because you don't want the apostles trying to preach and teach and plant and serve and correct and rebuke and train and also care for the tangible needs. And you ever been a part of a community where you just see people burning out? Just burning out. And some of the best of God's people can burn out well, for two reasons. One, they don't recognize they're not Jesus. And they can't do it all. They don't know their limits. They don't know when to turn it off. They just love, 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 care, care, care. Those of you with gifts of mercy, if the Holy Spirit works with mercy in your life, you probably need some people in your life to help you say no. Because you'll just say yes, yes, yes. And you'll work eight days a week, 27 hours a day. And then we lose you. Why? Because your faith gets weak because you just give and give and give. Now, others are on the opposite extreme. You need a fire lit up and you can do something with your life. That's another story. I don't know where you are in the mix, but we need to love one another by, hear me, finding our place, finding our fit, you doing your part and me doing mine. Now, now we see in the Bible deacons in lots of roles. So if you're like, I think this is the kind of person where this is where I find myself, um, you could also teach, you could also preach. As a matter of fact, Stephen, who's the first deacon listed on the list, he is a preacher. He's going to the synagogue and preaching the good news of Jesus, and it gets him killed. The first martyr is a deacon serving God's people, serving the poor, serving, giving justice in the church, and he's also proclaiming the gospel. Philip, an evangelist, is also a deacon, so don't pigeonhole it and say, I only have one thing, I only do one thing, and this is my little role. No, God has a mash of things in your life, all sorts of things. And so there may be a primary gifting and a primary calling. There's usually a secondary and a tertiary, if that's a real word. Is that a real word? I feel like I made it up, but I think I heard it. Yeah, and so thanks for affirming me. I appreciate that, especially when you're live and you're like making up words. Um, What's four then? Oh, okay. Yeah, very plain. All right, whatever. All right, so how do we live this out as a church? So like, how do, we, how do we do this? We want you to know because we want you to be engaged. Elders are a team. So no one person leads this church. And that seems crazy, but that's just reality. There is no one leader. There's a team of leaders. Currently, we have six elders on that team. I'm one of them, Brandon's one of them, and there are others who aren't on staff, four others who aren't on staff. In our understanding of the text, those are all men in the church. If you don't understand why, listen to last week's message. We have staff, which isn't in the Bible, but is a helpful tool as an organization, as a community, who serve you, and many of them work full-time, some of them work part-time, and again, they they. they function in a sense in the role of deacon and that they're overseeing groups of people and they're serving you. And we find that we honor them by paying them because there's work to be done. If we all did it, all volunteer all the time, some people would be left out. Now, many parts of the world, they're able to do that with a 100% volunteer team. And if we were able to pull it off, frankly, I would do it. If I could pull this off and do something else, I love Christians, but I'm around them all the time. Frankly, I would go out and work in sales and connect with people who are far from Jesus and, and love them and bring them to church. But to do that and prepare this and lead teams, I do want a family that loves me. And I want kids who love me and actually see me. So we, we hire some. And then deacons are our largest team. 
So we have six elders, we have about 13 staff, some full-time, some part-time, and we right now have 20 deacons and are about to unleash another group more. And deacons for us, they oversee specific serving areas. So let me just explain the mix-up. We have, as I looked at the list this week, we have about 20, and there's 14 guys and six ladies. We're about to add some ladies here in the coming days. Eight of the 20 serve with our 26 West communities. We have groups that meet all over the place. We have 35 to 40 that kind of ebbs and flows. And so eight of them, almost half of them, serve those serving people in groups, which makes sense because that's where the needs are going to arise. Cheryl Wardell, who's here, uh, is a deacon over our youth. Her husband, Ryan, is a deacon. They both serve as deacons and they serve in different ways. Um, and Cheryl, she's here on Wednesdays. Ryan isn't. Why? Because he works like at two in the morning or something foolish like that. What time do you work in the morning? Three. Okay, I was, I'm sorry. I was early. He goes to work at three in the morning. So hanging out with middle schoolers on a Wednesday night isn't smart for him. But it's the best thing for Cheryl, and she loves it. And she leads these teams in the summer. We had our first youth team last summer go to Uganda. Another youth team going, going again in the coming year to Uganda. Different people and serving in different ways. Uh, Jamie and Patty Herring, husband-wife couple, who both serve with our kids. I mean, he's a retired educator. It kind of makes sense. They both have the gift. They both serve the servants. So... They serve by being there and doing part of it, but they're also, what they're doing, you don't realize it, is they're giving eyes and ears to those who are also serving and making sure they're cared for as well. They're looking big picture. They're in the weeds with people, not just saying, hey, you, point, click, you know, a little bored. Yeah, work harder, work harder. I'm sipping a latte. Thank you very much. No, they're in it, but also caring for people. Kevin and Tracy Nordak, they're both here. Another husband and wife team. You don't have to be, but I'm just highlighting some of them. Kevin oversees our coffee and communion and our food teams, and he helps schedule them and works behind the scenes. And Tracy works when there's lady events and helping put that on. And they're both gifted, different areas, different ways. And that's totally cool. Um, now, I didn't mention everyone, which is always dangerous. But I just wanted to give you a sampling. There are lots of people, men and women, who are serving, but we don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect, right? And we don't work on ratio scales. There must be 50% of this and 50% of that. There's flexibility in the text to raise up the right people. But hear this, and there's a quote I want to put on the screen because I want you to get it. Church isn't supposed to be a heavily top-down organization, but a community of humble people passionately pursuing Jesus together. That's the point. Elders, deacons, staff, they're different names, but this isn't about a massive org chart. But if there were, Jesus would be on the first 20 lines and everyone would follow way after. Jesus is our leader, but he's given us each other, so we do organize. Elders give guidance to the whole thing, focus on teaching and leadership and raising up people and correcting and rebuking deacons, more of them because there are more needs. And as the church grows, we'll explode the number of deacons where you don't need 35 elders. You need a smaller team who's able to work quickly and bring people in. Trying to organize 20 people in the same room is what they call impossible. But a few, you can. So a few thoughts about leadership in general, and then we want to worship Jesus because he's worthy. These are just kind of generic when I think of elders, deacons, staff, all of that. Leadership is service. That's what it is, right? It's, it's whether you're 
a, a deacon, which is the word servant, or an elder, which is an overseer, a, a guider. It doesn't make a difference. It's all about serving. And leadership is more than a title. Hear me, friend. You don't need a title to lead. So we're highlighting the roles because they're in the Bible. But statistically speaking, there are hundreds and hundreds of you. And there will probably be 40, 50 people in an 800 to 1,000 person community who have a title. But who cares? If you need a title, can I just say this? There's a problem. If you need a title to give your life away, there's a problem. Even Jesus said, don't let anyone call you father. There's only one father who's in heaven, right? Was Jesus about titles? No, he was about people. And leadership is about team. Jesus had three intimates, and he had 12 apostles, and then 70 larger, and 120 on the day of Pentecost. Church has always been about teams, so I think we get in trouble, and here's what I'm emphasizing, when we focus on the one, right? Now, because I'm up here the most, people are going to say, I go to Jose's church, or Jose is my pastor. No, actually, Jose is your elder evangelist, if you want to get technical. But frankly, I don't care. And when people say, like, hey, um, Pastor Jose, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's not, I don't want to be disrespectful. Like, look, my name is Jose. Mom gave me that name, and I love it. I'm just, I'm just Jose. I, and it's nothing wrong with calling someone, you know, well, you know, we call doctor so-and-so. Well, I don't have a doctor, so don't call me doctor. But, like, I just want to be Jose, and you should just want to be you. If people honor you with more gravy, that's cool. But you should just be about the team. So I'd rather highlight what people are doing rather than what I'm doing. And I think that's healthy. Can I just say, I'm around a lot of churches, and I love you. And this church is ridiculously amazing. It really is. There are a few things going on here and there. We all have issues. We all have struggles. But I don't see lots of tension. And there is lots of tension in lots of communities. And frankly, my primary role is to try to keep ourselves at a spot where we're actually loving and not killing each other. Where we love one another. And if we can create a community where we continue to love one another, and as we grow in number, we model love to one another. And so when there's more people, there's more love, then more chaos, and, and people fall through the cracks. Why do people fall through the cracks? Because they may be looking to one person they don't know to get everything that they need, and they need to be learned in the way of Jesus. We serve and pastor one another, pastor is a verb. It's something we do. It's not a title. It's a verb. And so we should all be active in pastoring, which is shepherding, guiding, loving people. And in the end, leadership is about multiplication. The purpose of leaders is to multiply more leaders. That, that's why. So if you have a leadership role, elder, deacon, staff, your primary role is to see people who are serving and help them continue and identify people who are not and welcome them to the team and invite them in. By the way, there's a serve training happening today at one o'clock and you can join one of the teams. You don't have to have a list of qualifications. Are you breathing? Great. There's something for you to do. You, seriously. Now, as you grow, you're going to find your sweet spot. But it's okay to start with something and then meet more people, see more things, and you'll find out. you say, oh, I want to do that. And you'll tell your team leader, hey, I'm going to go over to this team. And they're going to say, oh, please don't go. And you're going to say, bye-bye. 
and you're gonna serve in that way. It's about multiplying. Remember Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all things, you know? And he sends us out. So really, this is about everyone taking their place. Now, so here's a word, we're at the end of the year, right? Don't let what happened in 2018 define the new year for you. Don't let your current status define your future. Now, if you're actively serving, fantastic. Maybe in the coming year, God's going to continue in that path. But there may be one person. Look, if every leader here found one person in this church, grabbed him along, not literally, but like pulled him along, encouraged him, and said, look, I've been doing this, but I think you're amazing. We should do this together with a view that by the end of the year, hey, you've got this. I'm going to go on and do something else. What if we multiplied ourselves? If every leader multiplies themselves, then we're a community that's thriving and we're not prone to burnout. So I would encourage you, if you don't know where to start, start somewhere. Find one person in this church doing something and show up with them, watch, learn, and then dive in. I think Jesus is the master at teaching leadership because he showed it. Mark 10, uh, verse 42, Jesus called them together in the middle of the discussion about who's the great person, <laughs> which is funny. Um, he gathered them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, which is like a title, they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, which by the way is Jesus' title. He is this. Even the Son of Man. Speaking about, and they were looking forward to the Son of Man. Too long of a story to get into today. Who's going to be this great leader? Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is leadership. Whether you're an elder or a deacon or staff or like the majority of Jesus followers who don't have one of those titles. You, to be the greatest in God's family, are to be like Jesus who gives his life for everybody. By the way, side note, because we're coming to Christmas, followed by Easter. Most people didn't appreciate Jesus' leadership. Most people didn't say thank you. Most people didn't recognize the significance of what he was doing. So leadership isn't about getting accolades. It's about laying your life down. Knowing that in the end, when I do my part, the Father sees and he's pleased. And that's enough. Two questions to guide our leading. Who are you serving? That's just real practical. Right now, who are you serving? It starts in the home. If you've got a roommate, that's where it starts. A spouse or a child, that's where it starts. Mom or dad, that's where it starts. And then thinking forward, who can you give more time and attention to? Which is really what it means to be like Jesus. He gives time and attention to people because they're valuable. Um, we can start there. By the way, this is worship to Jesus. This isn't like peripheral stuff. He loves singing and he loves prayer and he loves time with him, but he really loves it when we choose to live like him. 
And so Jesus is at synagogue and at temple and in worship to the Father. But most of the time, he's just in people's houses or on the street, loving people. Who can you serve? Who will you serve? In light of those things, we need the Holy Spirit. Because, man, I'm, I'm just thinking about me 99% of the time, if I could be honest. All right, 98. I'll give myself some credit. I'm thinking about me. But I have the Holy Spirit, which means I don't have to just think about me. The Holy Spirit can show me who to love and serve. So why don't we do this? Why don't we stand on our feet and let's ask the Holy Spirit. We don't need to rush it. Uh, let's ask the Holy Spirit to guide our responding. And we can invite the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, who, who is it that um, deserves time and attention? Because you've made them and you know them and you love them and you've given me what you've given me. Now, I'm to live for them. Um, Holy Spirit, who is it? And frankly, for most of us, hear me, it's gonna start at home or in our office environment or in our neighborhood. It doesn't have to be the person you don't know yet. Start where you're at, okay? Do this with me if you would. I want us to open our hands because this says no and this says like vulnerability, I am open. So we open our posture not to trick God, but to tell him with our body, we're, we're here and we're available. And I'm just gonna walk off, Brandon's gonna, gonna lead some singing. But in between, just talk to the Father and invite him to speak to you about the good things you are doing and the encouragement that you need or the things that can be done that you haven't even thought of yet. Talk to God.